you know, during this series, it's been really challenging. They're like, I feel like I am so much closer to God. Like, I feel like on a deep level, like I am more spiritual than I've ever been. And that's my goal. My goal is that you would know him. My goal is that you would know him, not know about him, but that you would know him. Do you know why? Because he wants to be known. He, wants, he doesn't wanna be held in a Sunday container. He wants to be with you in love every minute of your life. And so I'm saying to you, don't go ankle deep in the things of God when you could be in over your head. So let's go in over our head, all right? So I'm gonna pick it up today in the book of Acts. Now, to give you a little bit of um, history or backstory here, the Apostle Paul um, has been going to a bunch of different cities all over to tell them about Jesus. Now, the message of Jesus is spreading like wildfire. And everywhere that people hear about Jesus, and here's what I mean by that, they hear that, that Jesus died on a cross so they could be saved from their sins and rose from the dead so that they can live in this eternal state of resurrection, this eternal life. But that's not just for heaven, that's eternal life, resurrection, life, and power in the here and now as well. Every, yes, come on, amen, let's go, let's go. Every, every, every time that people would hear this message, people would say, I'm in, they get baptized. And they would start a community because the salvation of Jesus doesn't, isn't really just a personal thing, it's also a community thing. It's meant to be lived out in a family. And so they would start these communities which we call church. And so Paul was going to these different places to tell them about Jesus and to start churches. And he shows up in Ephesus, and this is in Acts chapter 19. It says, Apollos, who was one of the other leaders of the church, was in Corinth. But Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? All right, so let me just break this down for you a little bit. He goes into this city. He hasn't been there before, and he realizes that there are already people there who know Jesus, which is crazy because no leader from the church has gone there yet. People have just gone there and started telling people about Jesus, and so there's like a community of people, and they're like, yo, we're in on the Jesus thing, but you know, we're so glad to meet you because we got questions. But Paul, right off the bat, he asks this question. First thing, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? All right, now what, what, is, what is that? What, what's he talking about? Well, what you need to understand is that when Jesus was living, he told his followers that he wasn't always gonna be here, but that that was okay because when he left, something better was gonna come because Jesus was God with us. The word Emmanuel means God with us. He said, but I'm not always gonna stick around. And they didn't really understand that and they didn't really like that, to be honest with you. And then after Jesus dies on the cross and rises from the dead, he basically tells his followers, don't go anywhere and do anything because I'm leaving, but something better is coming. Something better is coming. And he said, I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to fill you. In fact, he uses this interesting word. He says, you are going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Well, what's the Holy Spirit? Well, it is God. It's just not God walking around like a human it's God not with us, it's God in us. That he would come and live on the inside of us. That the Holy Spirit would live in us. But he uses the word baptized in the Holy Spirit. And the, the word in Greek for baptized is baptizo, which means to be immersed. Which is why we just dunked people in a whole tub of water. To be immersed means to be completely saturated in every way. 
And so Jesus had said, you're gonna be baptized. In fact, John the Baptist, every time that he interacted with Jesus, he would turn to someone and say, I baptize people with water, but this dude's gonna baptize you in the Holy Spirit. That John said that over and over again. And so Jesus is like, I'm leaving. And the disciples are like, shut up. And he's like, it's better. Because the disciples are like, you just rose from the dead. Let's go take over the world. And Jesus is like, let's go. But I'm out. <laughs> but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And then you are going to go take over the whole world with the message of grace, the message of redemption, the message of life, the message of resurrection, the message of freedom from your sin. You're going to go take over the world. But only, only after you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And they're like, we don't know what that means. So Jesus leaves and they just start praying. You know, they're like, what are we waiting for? We don't know, but we're praying. And all of a sudden, this is in Acts chapter two, they're all hanging out praying. And it says the place where they were started shaking. And the sound of a violent wind was blowing through the place. And tongues of fire, not literal, it appeared like this, started resting on us. And we were filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, and we, this weird thing happened. We, we started speaking in languages that we didn't understand. And the Holy Spirit showed up. And that day, 5,000 people accepted Jesus. And got baptized. And so Paul, he shows up to Ephesus and he's like, do you guys know all of this? And they're like, no. He says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So you believed in Jesus, but you haven't received the Holy Spirit. That's interesting. And then they answer and they're like, we don't even know that there is a Holy Spirit. Like, like what are you talking about? And then Paul says to them, well, were you baptized? And like, yeah, 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 we were baptized like John the Baptist was baptizing people. He's like, well, John the Baptist was baptizing people for repentance. In other words, when John was baptizing them, it was before Jesus died on the cross. And so they were being baptized, which represented, I, I, I wanna turn away from my sin and walk with God. And, and Paul's like, that's great, but that's not the whole story because you're missing the bit about the fact that Jesus died for your sins and rose from the dead. So we're gonna get baptized with Jesus's power, which is what we just did a few minutes ago, this is not, I'm gonna try harder to be better. This is the old sin dead me is dead and I've come up with resurrection power, a brand new life. All right, so he's like, okay, so let's get baptized in Jesus' name. And they're like, okay, let's do it. Yes, we're in. And then it says, Paul laid hands on them. He placed hands on them. And he prayed that the Holy Spirit would come on them. And the Holy Spirit came. And they spoke in tongues, meaning languages that they did not understand. That word tongues in the Greek literally means languages. They spoke in other languages and they prophesied. And so when the Holy Spirit showed up, it wasn't like, oh, I think that was the Holy Spirit. I had like goosebumps. It wasn't that. It wasn't like, mm, I think I felt something really warm inside. It's the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying the Holy Spirit can't give you goosebumps or warm inside. Also, the air conditioning can give you goosebumps. <laughs> but it wasn't that. It was obvious. Because the second that the Holy Spirit showed up, 
something miraculous started happening. And they started speaking in tongues. Started speaking in languages they don't understand. Every time in the book of Acts that people were filled with the Holy Spirit, it says that they started speaking in tongues. Every time. So, on Friday, um, my kids' elementary school had a Halloween parade. Do you know what this is? Any, anyone's school do this? No. Okay, yes, some of you are. Okay, so basically what happens is the kids all take their costumes, and in the afternoon, they put their costumes on, and then they go walk around the school in their costumes. And all of the moms and dads and grandparents show up, and they're like, oh, you know, this looks so cute. And then they get candy. Okay, that's what it was. So it was a Halloween parade. I was, I was actually out of town this week for most of the week. And so I had not seen the kids since last Sunday. And so I show up on Friday, and they are, I show up for the Halloween parade. And of course, my little boy, Zion, is dressed up like a superhero. Come on, I am actively encouraging this method of identification. Like, you, you should see yourself as a superhero, right? And, and so he comes marching around the school and, you know, his, him and his kindergarten class. And he's, I don't even know what it is. It's, I think, I don't know what it is. But it's like all of this padding that makes him look like he's ripped and has all these, you know, muscles. And I'm, yeah, come on, see yourself that way, Zion. You are strong. All right, so he comes ripping around the school in his superhero costume, walking as if he really is a superhero. And then he sees me, and he hadn't seen me for, you know, almost a week, and his face lights up, and he runs, and he jumps into my arms, and he's like, Papa. And then everyone's like, oh, you know. It's awesome. And then I put him down, and then he starts showing me his moves, you know, like his <laughs> muscles. And then he, like, does these sprints, because he's a superhero and he's showing me how fast he runs, which was so cute, amazing. He looked awesome. And um, I was thinking about though how he's wearing the costume and the costume is helping him figure out who he is, fully encouraging this behavior. But what if, just imagine with me for a second, what if during the middle of the Halloween parade, he not only is in the costume, but all of a sudden, he puts his hands down like Iron Man and starts flying. And then imagine with me that he flies around to the playground where there's a group of bullies picking on some girls. And he shows up and he beats the crap out of all of them and ties them up to the sliding board and saves the day for the girls. So, <laughs> what's that? Oh. <laughs> My point is, there is a difference between wearing the costume and having the power. And when Paul says, did you receive the Holy Spirit? What he's saying is, I know that you've got the costume on, and that is awesome. You're starting to see yourself in a different way. You are a Christian, but do you have the power? And they're like, we didn't know there was power. And Paul's like, you can't have this thing without the power, because you need the power. You need the power of God to show up. And what he's saying is that the power of God, the Spirit of God himself, will fill you with power. And you're like, well, why do I need this power? You know why you need this power? You need this power. You need this power to stay married. <laughs> you need this. 
You need this power. You need this power to know how to raise your kids. You, you need this power because you need to look at the anxiety and the depression you're fighting and say, you are not greater than the power that's in me. You, 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 he says, do you have the power? Do you have the power? And they're like, we didn't know this came with power. And he's like, oh, you don't understand the whole story then. Because Jesus didn't just save you from your sins, but he sent his spirit, which fills you with power. And some of us are living a weak, defeated life because we don't have the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Because we didn't know we could have the power of God on the inside of us. Some of you have been a Christian for a long time, but the same stuff you were dealing with 10 years ago, you're still dealing with today. The same destructive thought patterns you had five years ago, you still have today. And you come to church and you do the thing and you got the costume on and you're following Jesus and you're doing it as best as you can and you are sitting around in struggle bus saying, why is, not this, why is this not working for me? And you know why? Because you don't have the power yet. And that's why Paul said, I know you believe, but do you have the power? And so then it goes on to say what Paul did in Ephesus. It says that God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. It said, even, even so, handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and their evil spirits left them. That's a whole other level. That's crazy. But this is what happened. Why? It's the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of God. You need the power. Do you have the power? Have you received the Holy Spirit? What's this whole thing about speaking in tongues? Well, they started speaking in other languages and it was evidence that the Holy Spirit had shown up. It was something miraculous that they looked at and they're like, we have the power because something miraculous is happening to us. And, and so let's talk about that a little bit more. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul explains this a little bit more to us. He says, I want you to follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Hang on, what, what is he talking about? Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he said that the ultimate example of the Holy Spirit showing up in your life is that you love. Not with human love, but with a supernatural love. That all ultimately, if the Holy Spirit's in you, it changes how you relate to people. It changes how you value things. Changes how you value people. You don't use people anymore. You love people. There's a difference. You don't have to have your arm twisted to give towards people in need. You just give towards people in need. Why? Because the spirit of love is on the inside of you. So he's saying... Follow the way of love because that is what the Holy Spirit does to you. It not only gives you supernatural power, but it also changes your character. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. In other words, you should want this. It's interesting in that verse in Acts chapter 19 when Paul says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? That word receive in the Greek is a very fascinating word because it literally means to aggressively lay hold of something that is already available to you. That's what that word means in the Greek. So it's already yours, but you haven't grabbed hold of it yet. And it's not like, ooh, I think I might want it. It's like, no, I'm taking this because God gave it to me. So he said, you should desire the gifts of the Spirit. And then he says, especially prophecy. You're like, what the heck is prophecy? 
It's all right. In the word, in the Greek, the word in Greek that gets translated prophecy means two things. It means to foretell and to foretell. But primarily in the New Testament, when that word is used, primarily it is used in the context of foretelling, which means, in the Greek, to speak the mind of God about a matter. In other words, you are speaking something that is what God would want you to understand about a situation that you're in. And I'm like, I could use that. I would like the mind of God about my children's education. I would like the mind of God about my next move. I would like the mind of God about my money. I would like the mind of God, Jason, about development and real estate, right? I would like the mind of God about these things, right? I would like the mind of God. And so foretelling, foretelling is that you've received the mind of God about a certain situation. Foretelling is that God is revealing to you something that is yet to happen in the future. That's used less commonly, but that is also a part of the definition. So he's like, I want you to desire the gifts of the Holy Spirit, especially prophecy. Be able to speak on behalf of what God is showing you. This is not your ability to perceive. This is God's giving you direction about what's going on. And then he says, because anyone who speaks in tongues is not speaking to people, but to God. So he's like, all right, so we've gotten this gift of a langu- the ability to speak in a language that I don't know. And what is this? Well, this is my ability to speak directly to God. It says no one understands them because they utter mysteries by the Spirit. In other words, I don't really know what I'm saying. But the Holy Spirit is, is praying through me. So something is coming out of me that bypasses my intellect that is something that God wants me to pray. And why is that important? Well, because your prayers are powerful. James tells us that the prayer of a righteous man has great power. It availeth much, one translation says. In other words, when you pray, things change. But sometimes I don't even know what to pray. I don't know what to pray. And it's like, it's okay. The Holy Spirit in you will pray through you and accomplish what God wants to accomplish. Because sometimes you're praying over here for things that like have, they're, they're stupid. Stop praying for that thing. It's like, stop praying that the boy likes you. Like, cut it out. You know, it's like, no, okay, God, you need to pray through me. Sometimes God needs to pray through you. Sometimes God needs to pray through you. And how do I pray? Well, I don't know. I, I pray in tongues. I utter mysteries by the Spirit. He goes on and he says, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. In other words, a prophetic word is never going to hammer you over the head, condemn you, shame you, make you feel like a jerk, make you feel like crap. That's just a religious person trying to use God to tell you what they want you to know. That's not prophecy. No, a prophetic word always strengthens you, always encourages you, always comforts you. God will speak to you a strengthening word for what you're going through right now. So he says, desire this. And he says, but anyone, he's going back and forth. But anyone who speaks in tongues edifies themselves. And the word edified in the Greek means to build a house. In other words, when I'm praying in tongues, I'm building myself up. I'm building my soul up. I'm building my spirit up. I build myself up. He says, the one who prophesies builds the whole church. And then listen to this. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. But if I had to choose between the two, I hope you prophesy. For if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, 
but it's bypassing my intellect. My mind is not involved. So what do I do? Oh, I pray in my spirit. In other words, I pray in tongues. But I also pray in my understanding. Oh, and I sing with my spirit, but I also sing with understanding. Why? Because I'm edifying myself. Now, I know that there's a decent amount of people listening to me right now saying, what the heck? This is weird. And I get that. Because I'm up here saying that God wants to do a miracle in your life and there's gonna be tangible evidence and proof of it. And that freaks some of us out. I get it. I also get the fact that if you've been around this kind of stuff before, you've probably seen it misused. And you've seen some people who were like, I'm speaking for God, but they were not speaking for God. And it was a little messed up, which is interesting because every single human being who prophesies, which remember Paul said, I want you to prophesy. Everyone who prophesies is an imperfect human being. So God is perfect and what he says is perfect, but it's coming through an imperfect person. And, and Pastor Lee, you know, who started our church, he said, I love this. He says, I, I believe God is always speaking, but sometimes my antenna isn't positioned quite right and I don't get it right. <laughs> and I'm like, that is good humility. God's always speaking through me, but it doesn't always not be perfect. And that's okay. Do you know why? Because it's not about the person. It's about what God's saying to you. Yeah. All right. So the, the point is, is that we can disregard everything that the Holy Spirit wants to do because one, we've seen it misused before. But let me tell you, that is not a good reason to neglect the power of God for your life. The fact that someone somewhere has been a crappy Christian does not mean that faith in Jesus is a mess. It does not mean that faith in Jesus is illegitimate. But the second reason why we don't always go for this stuff is because it's really hard to accept, accept something that I can't prove. And in our Western context, in our Western mind, we have basically shaped an entire worldview around the idea that we accept things to be true if we can prove that they are true. And that's the scientific method, that's enlightenment thinking that has shaped Western culture since Western culture came into being. And so we live in a world where it's like, I need to prove that it is real. I need to prove that it exists. I need to prove that it is true. And the thing is, is that you can't prove any of that about God. Like, like the scientific method doesn't apply to God. It just can't, and it doesn't. But it doesn't have to, because God is bigger than your intellect, and he's bigger than your understanding, and he's bigger than your ability to reason things. But if he is God, by definition... He can do things that don't make sense to you. By definition, he created this whole thing. How are you gonna understand that? You can't understand that. Why did he make aardvarks? Don't know, but it's cool. It's wild, it's weird, it's creative, right? It's awesome. <laughs> How are you gonna understand God? You're not. But here's what happens. A lot of us don't take hold of everything that God has for us because we expect God to give us an answer about how it works before we can accept what he's done. But you know what you're doing? You're making yourself God. God, you need to explain yourself to me. God's like, if I tried, you would melt. 
So let's just get to the good part and let me show my power in a way that can wreck your life and turn it upside down. Okay, and so... And so we take these gifts of the Holy Spirit, we take these gifts of the Holy Spirit, and a lot of times we as churches, we look at it and, okay, the problem is it's in the Bible. Like all this bit about speaking in tongues and prophecy and miraculous healings, it's in the Bible. And we're like, I don't know what to do with this, this is kind of weird, I don't understand it. And we're like, let's just focus on the bits we do understand and the bits that we don't, let's just kind of like put them over there, you know? Put them in a box and put them in the church closet. (laughs) It's like, back behind that door, that's where we keep the salt for the sidewalks. We'll just have a nice little box next to that and that's where the Holy Spirit stuff goes. And don't go near, it's here, we don't not believe it, it's in the Bible. But don't go near the box. Like, please don't touch the box. And people start coming around and they're like, What's in the Holy Spirit box? We're like, no, let's, no. Can we debate Calvinism instead? You know, it's like, <laughs> it's a, that's a Christian joke. <laughs> it's like, don't go, don't, don't go near the box. It's weird. If you open up the box, weird things are gonna happen. Don't go near the box. And people are like, don't go, people might fall over when you pray for them. It's weird. And they're gonna speak in this, like, well, why are they falling over? I don't know. They just, it's the power of God. And, we're speaking in this language. It's like, well, what are you just making? Is it, are you making that up? Like, is that tongues? Are you making that up? Like, it's weird. What's going on? And don't prophesy. Don't prophesy. Because some, when I was three years old, some lady prophesied over my mom that she's going to move to Zimbabwe. And she did not move. Like, don't prophesy. It's weird. It's, no. Like, it's, yeah, we believe it. Oh, we believe it. But I don't know what to do with it. So put it in the closet, lock the door, don't touch it. And then you have people show up to church and they're like, we're in the box. And you're like, you're making it weird for everybody. You know? I know, because I grew up in that. But here's what I'm saying. We need what's in the box. We need the power of God. And let me tell you, this generation is not gonna come to faith because of intellect and reasoning. But this generation will come to faith because of a demonstration of the power of God showing up in their midst. And also, I need the power of God to show up in my life. I need the power of God to show up in my home. I need the power of God to show up in my parenting, in my leadership, in my mind. I need the power of God. So why would I reject what's in the box when I was made to have what's in the box? Which is why Paul tells Timothy, he's like, get rid of this whole thing about people who have an appearance of godliness, but deny the power of it. Like, if you believe in Jesus, then accept the power that comes with that. Because otherwise, you don't really believe. Because the power of God comes along with the salvation of Jesus. So the question remains, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? All right, so what's the Holy Spirit do? We've talked a little bit about tongues and prophecy. What's he do? Paul gives us nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. He says, to each person, the manifestation of the Spirit is given, why? For the common good. So, you know, I I grew up in in a world where it's like, the weirder you were, the more spiritual you were. And it's like, we celebrated people who were really weird. But the truth is, is that the gifts of the Holy Spirit aren't for like spiritual brownie points. It's not like, I'm so spiritual because I prophesy. It's like, you have missed the whole point of the Holy Spirit because it is not about putting attention on you at all. Like, you have totally misjudged the whole thing. No, to each manifestation is given for the common good. So everybody's better off. 
And then he goes on this list of nine. He says, to one given through the spirit is a message of wisdom. In other words, this isn't like your wise. This is like God has given you wisdom about a situation. Who needs, who needs a message of wisdom from the Holy Spirit? Entrepreneurs in the room, you should be asking God for the gift of the Holy Spirit of wisdom. Wisdom in Jesus' name. Second, to another, a message of knowledge. In other words, you know something that you should not know. I, I had a, a woman, it's like two years ago, I forget, something like that, two years ago. And um, she could prophesy. And she did not know me. A mutual friend introduced me to her. She did not know that I led a church. She did not know that I was a pastor. She did not know where I was from. She did not know the name of the church. She didn't know any of it. My, my friend's like, you should let her prophesy over you. And I'm like, okay. And so she, she grabs my hand and, and you know, she, she was told my name was Jason. That was it. And she starts, you know, speaking to me. And she says, I see, I see the volume being turned up on an amplifier. And I'm like, I'm, I'm done. Like, like, I'm done. Like, how'd she know that? Holy Spirit. Message of knowledge. To another, faith by the same Spirit. In other words, you just believe God for ridiculous things, and then they happen. To another, the gift of healing. In other words, you pray for people and they get better. To another, miraculous powers, which is sort of a catch-all, I think. <laughs> to another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits, or we could use the word discernment. In other words, you can tell when God's up to something and when the enemy's up to something, and you just know it. To another, speaking in tongues. And still to another, the interpretation of those tongues. In other words, I hear it and I understand what it means, even though I shouldn't understand what it means. Wild, nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. Doesn't show up the same for everybody, but it does show up in power. But yet Paul does tell us, desire the gift of tongues. Desire the ability to prophesy. Go after the gifts of God. Want them. And then he says, I wish all of you spoke in tongues. And I wish you could all prophesy. And I'm like, all right, well, then I want it. Because if he said it's available, why am I gonna live without the power? I want everything God has for me. So I got nine gifts, but then Paul gives me another list in Galatians chapter five, but then there are nine fruits of the Spirit. And fruit means when the Holy Spirit's in you, it produces some, something in you. There's something that comes off of you because the Spirit's in you. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So I got supernatural power and I got character. And let's not miss one for the other. Let's not be the amazing, super spiritual, speaking in tongues prophets, but be garbage people in relationship. But also, let's not be like, I love everybody, but have no power. Because you're going to need some power if you're going to love everybody. And let me tell you, you need the power. You need the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in our church. Do you know why? Because you are not going to solve supernatural problems through natural means. And the fight that you're in is supernatural. And you're going to need some power. A funeral 
being shot up by teenagers, there are some natural problems. But let me tell you, that is a supernatural problem. That is a spiritual problem. If we're gonna respond well, if we're gonna create a different culture in our city, if we're going to be the kind of church that solves these problems, it will not be because we come up with natural solutions. Because natural solutions can't solve supernatural problems. But on a supernatural level, we can absolutely be the answer. We can be the love, the forgiveness, the grace, the fathering that these people in our city need. And by the way, I'm not belittling what happened. We're gonna pray for them, it's tragic. And I'm not saying that there are easy answers. That's the point though. We do have answers to the problems in our world. We do, but it's not natural. We need the power of God. We need supernatural ability. And there are people in your life who need you to prophesy to them. And there are times where you need to go speak in tongues for a while. I was in fourth grade and I went to Christian school and we had chapel. Some of you don't know about Christian school. <laughs> we had chapel. And the teacher that day taught to fourth graders about being filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. And as a fourth grader, I'm like, well, I want that. And at the end of the chapel, he's like, who wants it? And I'm like, I want it. And I love the fact that a fourth grader doesn't have enough, doesn't have barriers in their intellect to explain away what can't be explained. And as a fourth grader, I didn't have all of the hesitation of an adult because sometimes I overthink things. I try too hard and I try to make God do stuff. Fourth grader understands you can't make God do anything. You can't explain it and you can't force it. You're just a fourth grader. You don't know anything. And so if God said I could be filled with his power, then fill me with his power. Awesome, it sounds amazing. The teacher came over his hand on my shoulder and said, Holy Spirit, come and fill Jason. And boom, started speaking in tongues. And I have ever since. And let me tell you, when I get really low, really down, really frustrated, and I don't know what to do about it, I'll just take a few minutes and speak in tongues. Holy Spirit, you gotta pray through me right now. And you know what it does? It builds me up. It builds me up. So, when you believed, did you receive the Holy Spirit? This service is out of time because we just went and baptized a whole bunch of people. But we're gonna stay. And of course, you have to go, go. We love you. We're gonna stay. And if you want someone to pray for you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we're gonna pray for you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Here's what we're not gonna do. We're not gonna force anything on you. We're not gonna force you to mumble or bubble or babble. None of that. You can't manufacture this thing. All we're gonna do is pray that you'd be filled with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said that if we would ask, he would answer. Earlier today, we did that, and some people started speaking in tongues for the first time. Other people, I don't know if they did or not, but I believe that if you ask for it, he'll give it to you. Maybe you get prayed for and start worshiping and you will feel the power of God all over you. And maybe you'll never speak in tongues, but maybe you'll have wonder-working faith, right? But maybe you'll ask for the gift of tongues tonight and three weeks from now, you'll be driving in your car worshiping and boom, all of a sudden, the power of God will fill the room and start flowing out of you. Wouldn't that be wild?
oh, it's happened. Right, Marcy? That's how you got your gift. Yeah. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna pray for you. We're not gonna force anything to happen, but ask God and he will fill you. Can we stand up? Can you raise your hands? We're gonna worship. We're gonna pray for people. But stay where you are for a second. Would you raise your hands? Holy Spirit, come and sweep through this place. All right, for those of you, for those of you who have been filled with the Holy Spirit, would you just start asking him to sweep through this place right now? If you have a gift of speaking in tongues, would you just start praying right now in your prayer language over this room, just asking God to fill this place? And if you are weirded out right now, just let your guard down and say, God, come and give me whatever you wanna, whatever you wanna give me, all right?